Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? Enjoying the sun and tanning? Maybe a little bit. Maybe not. Maybe you just get more freckles. Um, this morning, I am so thankful to be with you guys. And we're going to be continuing on the series of David that we've been on. Um, and actually, we're going to be zooming in on a story that is focusing on David and his son, Absalom. But before we start, we are definitely going to be needing Bibles this morning. So raise your hand if you need a Bible. And Pastor Jeff and our wonderful leader is going to go and pass them out. So raise them. I don't see any hands. Does everybody have Bibles? We need one over here, one over there. <laughs> okay, but if you do have a Bible, please open up to 2 Samuel 14, 25 through 33. Did you guys get that? 2 Samuel 14, 25 through 33. So while you guys flip to it, I'm going to give you a quick recap of where, where we're at in David's story. So last week, Pastor Carissa taught us about David and Bathsheba, which um, actually is one of David's greatest downfalls. And I don't know if you were here, but basically David had gone into or sought after an affair with a married woman. And then long story short, it gets into lots of just icky situations and ends up killing her husband. And there's consequences and God is just very just very upset at the situation. But David, being the man that chases after his or God's own heart, ends up um, ends up repenting to the Lord, and God forgives him, which is beautiful and great, right? But that didn't mean that there wouldn't be consequences to his actions, and that was, <laughs> and that was that. David's family was going to see the same type of treatment of murder, of sexual immorality, of deceit, of all these things, but under his own household. So even his own children were going to do this same thing. So with that in mind, let's read chapter or 2 Samuel 14, 25-33. And it goes like this. Now in all of Israel, there is no one so much to be praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. Yeah, can I get an amen? How cool is that? In the Bible, the most popular book in the world still, you're known as the most handsome fellow in all of Israel. But it doesn't stop there, folks. Let's keep reading. <laughs> from, the sole, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. So not only was he gorgeous, he was perfect. Physically, at least. And when, he, and when he cut the hair off of his head, for at the very end of every year, he used to cut it. When it was heavy on him, he would cut it. Same. He weighed the hair of his head 200 shekels by the king's weight. Basically, he had a lot of hair. There were born to Absalom three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a very beautiful woman. So we're just going to pause for a moment. <laughs> Let's acknowledge that this family has very good genes. His children are very good looking. He's very good looking. But I actually what stands out to me a lot in the last verse is that he named his daughter Tamar. And this has a lot of significance because Absalom's sister, her name was Tamar. 
And she had, her story had a lot of influence upon him. She, um, Absalom and Tamar had this brother, and basically he ended up, this half-brother, and he ended up taking advantage of Tamar, and it's this horrible situation. And David hears about it and gets very angry, as he should. This should not be happening in anybody's household, but doesn't do anything about it. And actually, I believe this starts the breakage of relationship between David and Absalom because he is now entering into this relationship with his dad that he can't trust. And he feels like now he has to take it unto his own, bless you, he has to take it into his own hands to try and take um, revenge for what had happened. So what ends up happening is that Absalom ends up killing his half-brother, yikes, and then runs away to this place called Geshur, and then comes back because of the king's request, but then doesn't talk to his dad for a good time. And that's where we're going to be continuing on in this chapter. So keep in mind that David's relationship with his son is super broken. There's so much hurt there. There's so much untrust. And then we're going to open up to verse 28. So Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence. Then Absalom sent for Joab, his cousin, to send him to the king. But Joab would not come to him. And he sent a second time for Joab, but he would not come to him. Then he said to his servant, See, Joab's field has barley there. Barley there. Go and set it on fire. Yikes. Talk about a temper tantrum. So Absalom's servant sent the field on fire. Then Joab arose and went to Absalom at his house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent word to you. Come here that I may, that I may send to the, you to the king. Oh, wait. Come here that I may send you to the king to ask, Why have I come to Geshur if... Or sorry, it, sorry. Why have I come to Geshur? It would be better for me to still be there. Now, therefore, let me go into the presence of the king, and if there is any guilt in me, let him be put to death. Then Joab went to the king and told him, and he summoned Absalom. So he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the, to the ground before the king, his dad. And the king kissed Absalom, which is his dad. So... Would you guys just pray with me this morning before we enter the, to the message? <clears throat> Dear Lord Jesus, God, we just thank you so much that you have brought us to this place, that you have this message prepared for all of us, including myself. God, I pray and invite for your Holy Spirit to just come upon us, God, that you would bring us peace and courage and excitement and joy, and that we would have such a good time just learning about you, God, and taking new information and applying it to our lives, Lord. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just go before us, that you would open up our hearts and our ears to you, God, and that it would be your words and not my own. We praise you, God, and we love you. In Jesus' holy name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So the title of this message is Hungry for Approval. So if you're taking notes, write Hungry for Approval. I'm going to just point out this first thing in this story. 
We, okay, in the story, we see that Absalom, the main character, is being ignored by two people. He's being ignored by Joab, his cousin, and he's being ignored by his father, the king. So what does, what does Absalom do? He goes and demands for their attention. He goes and sets his cousin's field on fire, and it gets wild and crazy, and just is like, hey, look at me. I'm over here. Pay attention to me. Um, a little bit needy, but that's okay. But my question is, why? Like, why would he set his cousin's field on fire? I think it is because he wanted so badly to be seen by his father. He wanted to be seen, heard, and known by his dad. And David wasn't doing a very good job at that. Have you guys ever been ignored? Yeah? Like, have you ever been in a conversation and you're talking to your friend and then your friend has this other friend that comes to them and starts talking to them in front of you, but then you're just standing awkwardly there and then you just feel uncomfortable <laughs> and you're just like, um, hey, hello, I'm here. I still matter. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. That's because we have this yearning to be seen, to be known, to be heard, to be loved, to be cared for, to be acknowledged, all of the above. Well, the same thing was for Absalom. He had spent so many years in isolation and so many years by himself without his father's attention that he was tired of it and just was seeking this affirmation from his dad and approval from his dad that he didn't have. But it's really interesting because um, it is not the fact that we have this. It's the fact of where we're going out to seek affirmation from. Which brings me to my first point. Whose attention are you seeking? So think back in your own life. Whose attention are you seeking? And why are you seeking it? When I was trying to ask myself this question, I was trying so hard to think of a scenario that I could tell you where I was in the same situation, but my brain was just not thinking of any <laughs> scenarios that would come up, but it would look something like this. Um, I wanted so badly the attention of somebody, so I like went out of my way to get like their approval or talk like them or act like them, and then change my personhood only because I so truly valued their opinion, even maybe more than my own opinion, maybe more than God's opinion, maybe more than my family's opinion, because their opinion just mattered so much. Sounds kind of scary to say, um, but it was true, because it, the thought process was paired up with actions that followed with it. And it's something that we actually see with Absalom as well in verse 32 when it says, why have, why have I come from Gusher? It would be better for me to be there still. Now, therefore, let me go into the presence of the king. But see, his actions in that wasn't, so he said, oh, it would be better for me to still be isolated. But did he actually still want to be isolated? No, he wanted the approval of his dad. He was basically screaming out saying, I want to see my dad by burning out the field of his cousin because he wanted to get his attention. So 
Now I'm asking you again. Whose attention are you seeking? Is it God's? Or is it your teacher's? Or your parents? Or your significant others? Or your ex-significant other? Number, which leads me to my next point. Only God can truly satisfy the longing in our hearts. Guys, after Absalom received the approval of his dad, so you see in the story that he got kissed by his dad, you know, that was huge. There was redemption. But after he got the approval of his dad, it didn't stop there. In the next chapters, he sought after the approval of men, of other people, and tried to please them. And then that wasn't enough, and that didn't satisfy him. And so then he's like, okay, I'm going to get all of Israel to love me. And he did. He got like a huge chunk of Israel to love him. And then he's like, oh, that is not enough. That does not not satisfy my need. I'm going to get, excuse me, I'm going to get all of the kingdom to come and follow me. And I'm going to kill my father or try and kill my father so that I can be king and that I can be satisfied. And even if he would have succeeded in that, it would not have been enough. It would not have been enough because what he's actually searching for goes deeper than what people could give him. It went deeper than the affirmation that his dad could give him. It went deeper than the affirmation that um, other, like, other people could give him or the whole kingdom or the status um, could give him. Absalom spent his whole life trying to chase after the approval of others and coming still so empty because he was seeking out the affirmation in all the wrong places. Guys, this guy had it all, okay? He had the beauty, he had the fame, he had the family, he had the money, you name it, he had it. And yet it was still not enough for him. Do you guys ever find yourself in that position where you just like have so many friends and you're like, okay, when I get all these friends, I'll be happy. And then you get all the friends and you're like, oh, I'm still not happy. Or, oh, if I can just get this one person to like me, then I'll be happy. And like, maybe it doesn't happen or maybe it does happen and you're still not happy. Or maybe like you fill in the blank of what happens But what you're actually searching for can't be found in people. It can only be found in the Father. That was my next point. It said, only God can satisfy our deepest needs. And only God can validate us. So are you tired of trying to make everybody happy? Like, are you tired of trying to gain favor in different places? Are you tired of not being yourself because you want to impress your friends? Are you just, like, exhausted because it makes you into a different person when you are at school and then you get home and you're completely different? I know I've been tired. And something that God was speaking to me as I was writing this message is that, guys, what we have to do, the solution to this problem is so simple and yet so hard to get to sometimes, or it seems hard to get to, 
It's just to run to the Father. It's just to sit and pray and ask God, God, where am I seeking way more than I should in other people? Affirmation that only can come from you. Where am I coming back empty? Where am I feeling insecure? And that is the place that actually God wants to fill for you. He's the one that can truly satisfy all these needs um, that we have. What if we sought after God the same way that you seek after the affirmation of your friends? Or the same way that you seek after the affirmation of that boy you like or that girl you like? Like, you go out of your way. Like, I know I've done some crazy things in the past to try and get somebody's attention. But I don't know if that's your case. Maybe. We're all kind of silly around here. But, (laughs) but, but. Oh my gosh, I can't take this real seriously. <laughs> um, but what if we put that same amount of effort that we're putting to try and get that person's attention into trying to get God's attention? Because guess what? There's like a hundred percent chance that God wants to get that or wants to give you that attention back. Like, oh, aren't you just exhausted to give people all these things and not get anything in return? Like that's exhausting. <laughs> Anyway, all to say, God is the one that we get to seek after. And if we would just put as much effort as to seek God as we do people, we would be so much more satisfied in our hearts. This brings me to my third point. People were not meant to fulfill us. That's God's job. Like, never, ever, ever were you entitled to carry somebody else on your back. Never, ever, ever was anybody else entitled to carry you on their back. And if you're feeling like you're trying to, like, please somebody or have them be happy or you have this weight on you, it's because it wasn't ever meant to be there. They were meant to encourage you. They were meant to, people were meant to encourage you and love you and care for you. But it wasn't David's job Although, yes, it was because it was his father, but, like, it wasn't his job to fulfill his son. That's only God's job. David could love his son, and he could have done a way better job at loving his children, but it wasn't his responsibility to fulfill his children. And honestly, praise the Lord for that, because it would be so exhausting and so tiring to try and make somebody or fulfill somebody when you just like can barely like help yourself you know so actually I am going to invite Deb back up and I'm going to close with this I challenge you guys in this week to let God be the one who fulfills your needs to lean on him and give him the opportunity to do that. And sometimes we hear that and we're like, okay, Ismari, that is really great news. I need to go to God and figure it out. But how do you do that? (laughs) It's honestly such a hard situation to try and figure out. But all you do, honestly, go to your room and close the door behind you and get on your knees and say, God, I literally am trying to feel love from other people or I am trying to feel affirmed or acknowledged or known by other people 
when that just only should have come from you or that only can be fulfilled by you. And just posture yourself in that way and talk to him and even just be yourself. Like, you don't have to be proper. You don't have to, like, talk up this whole storm. You get to just be yourself in front of the Father and be vulnerable. A lot of us struggle with hearing God's voice. Just are hungry for it, God, that we would fall at our feet to you, Lord Jesus, and not be afraid. 